Despite Sunday's hiccup, it is a historic beating of the Mets. <laughs> a lot of more <laughs> pleasure, of course, because you know, they always say they're going to beat us. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves Report presented by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscano, who is coming to us from the open-air press box at City Field. Please ignore the Brewers in progress as we record after the Braves' Sunday loss to the Mets. But, uh, Justin, you said last week that Atlanta really had a chance to clean up and get right against the Pirates and against New York this week. Five and three in eight games in seven days. How do you grade it? Yeah, it's it's a B. I mean, I think the Braves could have been better. The starting pitching was not great. Uh, and then it turned around a little bit in New York. So I think that's a good finish. Um, and I think they're going home on a very good note. Three city trips are difficult, Jay. They went six and five over 11 games in 10 days. That includes one historic doubleheader sweep. It's a good trip. And just ahead, we will dig into a lot of those numbers behind the Braves' domination in New York. We'll also talk about, if we're talking about the wrong Brave for MVP, what do we make of Atlanta's rotation now and the answers to your questions in the Ask Justin segment. If you have not listened to us before, we are happy to have you, and please make sure you follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. And parents, if you need something fun to entertain your kids indoors while it's a million degrees outside this week, Kroger is here to help with Kroger Chef Jr. If your kid wants to learn how to cook, then book your calendar for August 26th. Select Kroger stores are hosting an Atlanta Braves guided cooking experience making chili slaw dogs. If your child, if you sign your child up for Kroger Chef Jr., they'll get a 30-minute class at Atlanta Braves apron, patch, chef's hat, recipe card, holder, a set of tongs for only $7 per child. So register today at KrogerChefJr.com. That is KrogerChefJr.com. You will also find a link in the show notes. All right, let's begin with where things stand after that long road trip. When you look at this trip, how do you assess just, you know, what yeah, you good. The way we started out and, you know, we, we did have, you know, we had a long stretch of not long starts and we ended up with a winning road trip and, it, you know, tough three city, 11 games in 10 days. And, you know, we ended up six and five, which is really good the way we started. That's manager Brian Snitker, but in New York, it's much more fun, right, Ozzy Albies? You want to win every game, but how much pleasure do you guys get in beating those guys over there, especially the way you do? <laughs> a lot of more <laughs> uh, pleasure, of course, because you know, they always say they're going to beat us. So that's all I can say. I won't say much. <laughs> You, you don't get um, Ozzy giving you a peek behind the curtain too often, but it seems like they've uh, very much enjoyed their weekend in New York. Oh, yeah. I, I <laughs> They won't say it um, a lot other than that, I guess. But I think they really, really enjoy beating the Mets. And I think the Braves get a major, you know, feel like they have a major hand up on the Mets, especially being 10 and a half down last year coming back, sweeping the Mets in that final series, and now just dominating them this year. I just really think the Braves, when they play the Mets, smell blood in the water, and it's beginning to become this sort of, you know, big brother, little brother thing where the Mets come in, you know, with a lot of energy, hoping to win. Other than this time, I guess, the Braves come in expecting to win. It was almost kind of flippant when I threw it out there back in June if the Braves broke the Mets. And as we get farther away from that, the Mets are more brokener. Yeah, and it's it's got to be difficult to show up to the ballpark at the beginning of August when you thought you were a contender and you've been stripped for parts and 
the rest of the season is meaningless other than personal growth and personal pride. Uh, you will not be going to the playoffs again. It's another, you know, retooling in New York. It, that's got to be tough. But man, the Mets just did not show much life. Uh, they did in this Sunday game here, but that doubleheader was about as lopsided of a doubleheader that I've ever covered. Like, I, I honestly don't think I've ever covered a doubleheader that was 27 to 3. I know the 21 runs and that eight run inning against Danny Mendick, who was a position player, makes up a lot of that scoring total. But the point being that, man, they, these two teams walked out in the field and on paper, the Mets still have a pretty good top half of that lineup and, and you know, a, a decent pitching staff. But they just looked overmatched. I mean, they just looked like they didn't want to be here. They were completely checked out. Uh, and how can you blame them? Um, you know, you've got to be a professional. You've got to show up. You've got to keep doing it. But it's human nature, right? I mean, you lose Justin Verlander. You lose Max Scherzer. You lose kind of the heart and soul of this team with so many guys traded uh, at the deadline. Basically, the front office saying it's not going to happen this year. And you've got to show up and play two more months of baseball. I mean, I think that's pretty tough. And the Mets certainly looked like, you know, they'd been gutted this weekend. Um, they did not show much. Uh, this was a, a really different New York team. And, and Jay, uh, the Braves, yes, did break the Mets. But let's go back even further. On August 7th of last year, we were doing a podcast. Um, it might have been, it might have honestly been August 8th as it was right now. Because that was a night game. We're doing this after midnight. So it is August 14th right now. It might have been August 8th. But on August 7th. The Braves came in here. They lost the third of fourth games, so they lost for the third time in four days. They were six and a half back. Now, yeah, they lost tonight, but they are 22 and a half games ahead of the fourth-place Mets, who, had they not won, would have been in a you know in sole possession of last place in the NL East. It's pretty remarkable just a swing of things over 365 days. I do remember distinctly when we when we did that that podcast after that week when the the Braves were just clinging on to deer for life. We were I, I think we actually asked the question: Is it time to start thinking about the wild card? And, and wow, has, has everything changed since then? The uh, the Braves have the best record in the National League, and uh, this season the Mets have the third worst. Yeah, I mean, and the Braves also. I mean, like I said, the twenty one runs. It ended if Georgia football play you know has a score of the Braves every single week people are going to be really happy good news um, is the Braves guess, uh the Braves red zone defense was really good keeping the Mets out of the end zone yes yeah they bended but they did not break uh only allowing three points but Jay I mean the the number I'm looking at that's pretty crazy is okay yeah this team is 75 and 42 but they lead the majors with a run differential of plus 193 once you average that one out over all the wins so if you average that out it's pretty remarkable. I, one one of the little things that that seems to kind of sum up this entire weekend. Um, we got an early nomination for winner of the week, and it's Alan Winans. Getting drafted by those guys, they definitely made me dream about City Field. So, um, getting to come here and doing it against those guys make it make it a little more special. But um, my job today was to help the Braves win, and that's what we did today. So I was pretty happy with it. He didn't really take the bait of uh, rubbing the Mets' nose in it too much, but. He had the best start of the week, and he's a guy that the Braves paid the Mets twenty five grand for, and he shuts him out. Yeah, and if you're a Braves fan, we're going to give you a second, uh, no matter where you are. Turn the volume up on high because you're just going to love hearing this. That I think Braves fans, Jay, like just delight in the plight of the Mets. And this is one of those classic stories where Mets fans hate how everything works out for the Braves. 
Jay Allen Winans was a 2018 draft pick in the 17th round for the Mets. Uh, he was a reliever in that system. He had a pretty good 2021. He had a almost to you know around a two ERA for the Mets. He made it to Double A that year, but after the season, the Mets did not feel that he was the one of the best 78 players in the organization. How do you know that? Well. He was left exposed to the minor league Rule 5 draft, which means he was not placed on the 38-man AAA roster. Jay, apparently there were 38 players better than Allen Winans for the Mets' AAA roster at that time. The Braves take him, as you mentioned, you know, in the Rule 5 draft. He comes to Atlanta, um, becomes a starter, and now in his second season in the organization, he leads the International League in ERA, whip, and opponent's batting average, he was fourth in strikeouts when he got called up for the second time, and he shuts out the Mets over seven innings. So yeah, the team, uh, the team that thought there were they had seventy-eight better players than him in their organization gets shut out over seven by them. He didn't take the bait. Revenge game might be a bit too strong, but uh, he he really showed them what they missed out on. For those of you looking for blood, we will discuss uh, some of the other issues with the Braves rotation a little later on. But uh, let's stay on a high note here. And uh, another nominee for winner of the week uh, has to be the guy leading Major League Baseball in homers and RBIs. Matt Olson uh, crushed number 43 on Sunday. He's now got more than 40 dingers and more than 100 RBIs in August. It's not even second week of August. We got a 40 and 100 guy. That's amazing what he's done. And... Um, Kind of quietly, too. There aren't a whole lot of written or talked about or this guy's having as good a year as anybody in the game. Good, clean number or, you know, whatever. It's a, you know, a new, new uh, I guess it's one of the, you know, one of those milestone numbers. But uh, hopefully there's uh, hopefully there's more and, um, you know, enjoy it for a second and, and get back to work tomorrow. That's Nitten Elder. We're talking about how they feel like you probably haven't gotten talked about as much as you should have, but you seem like somebody who that probably doesn't bother you. Is that fair to assume? Uh, I, I actually I kind of like it. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think we should keep it that way. It, it is quietly becoming a historic season. And are we talking about the wrong guy to win MVP? Man, you could make a good case for Matt Olson at this point, and you would not sound stupid. I think right now it's got to be Ronald Acuna Jr. in terms of the stolen bases, um, and just like the batting average and what he's done. I mean, he's just done it so consistently and setting the tone in the first inning. But man, like you, Matt Olson is entering that territory where, yeah, you, you can talk about him. He's a top three MVP candidate, top four MVP candidate right now, depending on how you want to build the case. He's been really, really good. And there were a ton of stats, Jay, that I looked up, uh, geez, over the past week or so as Matt Olson's terror continued. I mean, there have only been, you know, he he's part of the other guys to reach 40 home runs and 100 RBIs over their team's first 113 games or so. Like Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, guys like that have done that. Uh, and Matt Olson, since 1995, was the only player because he hit 41 and 42 in that same game was the 10th player in MLB history since 1995 to reach 42 home runs in his team's first 115 games. Uh, he's on the list with guys like Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, um, pretty good list to be on. And now Matt Olson's a part of it. I think that, man, if he continues this, 
could he could he get to 60? Like, I don't think that seems wild right now, but maybe I'm too close to it. And I'm saying that as somebody who is watching him hit a home run in what seems like every single game. Going into Sunday, he was on pace for 59. So I guess if you're on pace for 59 and you hit a homer that day, like 60 is not out of the question. No, no. I, I Yeah, I mean. Is he going to be cut? Are we going to be cutting into college football games to what match Elton doesn't hit in September? Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, and I think, uh, I wonder if, you know, remember when ESPN would, yeah, do that with Aaron Judge? You think they'd do that with Matt Olson? I mean, I think the Braves. Seems unlikely. Yeah, the Braves, I mean, are really, really good. Well, also, I mean, you want to take it from, you know, Matt Olson maybe hitting 60, which would be incredible a year after Aaron Judge had that chase. What about t- six guys on August, on August the 14th? or 13th when they played six guys have at least 20 home runs that ties a franchise record done in 1953 and 2003. I believe um, the major league baseball record is eight done by the Minnesota twins um, in 2019. So uh, one of those guys is Eddie Rosario. Um, so Eddie's going to need to get hot. Michael Harris is going to need to get hot. Uh, Orlando Arcia, and they, they might be able to break that record. Biggest adjustment for for Olsen this summer, getting a strikeout rate down. Yeah, I, you know, it, it just wasn't – you can't strike out a 30% clip and, and have success. I feel like it's a product of, of hitting pitches earlier in the count. Um, you know, I feel like my, my two-strike approach has not changed at all. It's It's been the same, but I think I'm getting the less two-strike counts and, and hitting the pitches earlier in the count that I should be hitting. So um, – when you're fouling those pitches off, put yourself in a hole, you're going to strike out more. Last glowing nugget, and we'll move on. Since uh, June 15th, when Olsen moved out of the two-hole, hitting 331. And that's two months now. Man, um, there's a guy who sits in that dugout every night that on social media and beyond constantly gets just complete flack for his bullpen decisions, for the way he manages you know, starters, whatever. People think it's fair. It's probably not fair, but he deserves a lot of credit for this one, man. There was, you know, he moved Olsen to that four hole, you know, that cleanup spot. <laughs> and he's taken off ever since. And not to mention the guy he put in the, the two hole, Ozzy Albies is having his, you know, almost as good of a season as Olsen and Acuna are. I mean, he's got 28 home runs now. Um, and, you know, almost a hundred, you know, he's got 90 RBIs. I think it is. I mean, it's it's pretty insane that Snit pushed uh, the right button, you know. There, I mean, he's, he's he deserves a lot more credit than he gets. Um, like I said, he gets a ton of flack. This was a decision that man has really, really paid off, and I don't think the Braves are looking back. Before we uh, take a break, how is uh, Ozzy? Just cramping in that left hamstring. Seems fine. Does not seem serious. Uh, Brian Snicker asked him after the game. He said they just didn't want to take a chance. So I'm not going to be, you know, surprised if he doesn't miss any games. All right, coming up, the Braves recovered in New York, but uh, what should we make of the rotation now? This is the Braves report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. 
We lead with heart. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right, now, is there any better way to start your day with Braves news in your email inbox? Well, the AJC can make that happen for you if you've not already done so. That's one of the many benefits that you get as a subscriber. So to join our community, first, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast, and you get three months of unlimited digital access for 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. We've got a link in the show notes as well. And then after you become a subscriber, go to ajc.com slash newsletters and sign up for the Braves Report. You'll get the latest news every Monday through Friday. And on Fridays, Mr. Justin here, when he's not listening to the blowers at City Field, will handle the Braves dispatch, which this week includes a couple of clubhouse conversation with Kevin Pillar. Yeah, that was that was really fun. Um, I really enjoyed that one. That actually stemmed from asking Kevin about Travis Darno reaching 10 years. Um, and that led to me asking Kevin Pillar about his own journey. And the thing I found most interesting is he's really proud of the fact that he did not specialize in baseball. Like he was a three sport guy. He played what was in season and he feels like it's beneficial. And he even told me that, you know, he wakeboarded, he snowboarded, he played other sports, he played basketball, he played football, like he played baseball. You know, he was always outside doing something, but he played what was in season. And he felt like that led to less burnout. He saw kids in his little league um, in Los Angeles that were better than him. And he looked at them when he, they got to high school and they kind of fizzled out a little bit. And he wondered, man, like if they were able to just be kids, would they have gone further in baseball? Would they have enjoyed it more? That's what I took away. But a lot of advice uh, from Kevin Pillar and, and many other things in the Braves Dispatch on Fridays. I like how you plug that. Yeah, just another day's work, sir, doing my job. Now we go on to pitching. You know, outside of Sunday's doubleheader, it was a little rough. So let's go around the room here. We'll start with Snit on the kind of state of the Braves rotation. This road trip, we've scored enough runs to win every game we played. You know, we're just kind of a little bump in the road with the pitch, you know, starting pitching, really. I mean, just hopefully, you know, these guys will get it turned around and, and um, you know, we can get them going back deep into games because the bullpen guys have been great. They've, they've done a really good job and, and just, you know, we're – I say they're not immune to having to get through some rough times um, themselves. So um, hopefully they'll right the ship and figure things out and, and um, we can get on, you know, because they get going, we'll we'll get going too. Bryce Elder gave up five more runs and five innings in Pittsburgh. I'd love to say that we would, could have the month of June every single month, but that's, that's pretty unrealistic. Um, so, you know, I think that, you know, all good teams go through, go through some rough patches. And, and so I think this is, um, I don't want to call it scuffling because I don't think we are at all. I just think we hadn't been winning at the rate we were. Um, but, you know, I think yeah, I would rather have a couple bumps in the road now than have a couple bumps in the road at the end of September. Max Fried gave up four and four innings. You, you've seen what these guys have done throughout the year. They've been extremely reliable and, you know, a big reason of our success. Um, you know, they've they're gone out there and taken the ball Every fifth day, kept us in ball games, and we've been able to, you know, have a really good winning record. I think it's unfortunate that, you know, kind of everyone's had their, you know, a little bit of a rough outing. Uh, but 
I, I'm confident that we're going to be able to ride the ship, get on track, and, you know, the, the idea is to be peaking at the right time of the year. And Charlie Morton had a career-high seven walks. I don't feel like I quit out there. I don't feel like I ever do that. I just feel like there's times where um, I just don't really know where where my release is, where my hand is sometimes. It's hard. Sometimes it's really hard to make an adjustment. You know, everybody there kind of you know saying the right things. And, and you said last week, there's no reason to panic. But do you fault Braves fans for getting a little close to the edge after this week? No, absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> as much as I would love to, well, maybe not love, as much as I do feel like there are people out there who do our jobs, Jay, that say, well, fans are dumb, this, that, and the other. No, I completely understand. Like, you have to understand. That's what fandom is. Fandom is being so into the team that you worry about every little crease and crevice and crack and whatever. Like, yeah, it looked terrible. It wasn't just a rough week for the starting pitching. It was awful. It was terrible. Like, that's just what it was. Does that mean that the season is ruined? No, absolutely not. And it's our job to put that into perspective. That's not the fans' jobs, though. And so, no, I, I don't blame them at all. I mean, it was must have been brutal to watch. I couldn't imagine, you know, Braves fans are passionate, man. I, I don't fault them. But I think they should know that, yes, this does happen over an 162-game season. There are stretches like this. It just got bunched into one week. Here's the part that I think was a little concerning to me. The Braves, when they left Pittsburgh, had the second-worst rotation ERA in baseball since the All-Star break. That The reason that's concerning is you do not want to fall into that camp of the team that got hot early and lost it down the stretch and was kind of trying to find it into October. You need to go into October hot. You need to go in with some sort of momentum. You need to find it in October, right on the doorstep of October, whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, like I, I don't fault fans at all. Is this going to last forever? No, I think the Braves are too good. I mean, I think they do enough well, like so much well that I think they can sustain bad starts. I think those starters that they have for the most part can turn in much better starts. Um, and look, I mean, they come into New York before Yanni Torino's gave up a run uh, on Sunday they had tossed 21 scoreless innings to begin this series, uh, the starters had. And so that was really impressive. Granted, this Mets lineup, it, it just they just didn't look good. The Braves gave them opportunities, especially you mentioned Charlie's career-high seven walks, uh, things like that. And the Mets didn't grab those opportunities like the Pirates or the Cubs did. But still, I mean, it, 21 scoreless innings is 21 scoreless innings to start this series. Fans are going to be fans, and, and we should understand that. But the season definitely... Is not ruined. There's a lot of ball to play. And as Bryce Elder said, you'd rather hit it now than at the end of September. You're hoping these are just the dog days, right? And then by the end of September, the Braves know what they have in their rotation. And and the you know, the, the stats after the all-star break. You can throw out Yanni Chirinos is almost nine ERA because I'm pretty sure um barring anything catastrophic, he's probably not gonna be considered for the playoff roster. But um Charlie Morton is, and Bryce Elder is, and Spencer Strider is and neither one of them have hit their stride yet so really since the all-star break no um and you know we've talked about strider really seems like he is throwing the ball well in some of those poor lines with the exception of pittsburgh some of those lines don't tell the full story but 
the results are the results. And I think Spencer would be the first to tell you that. Like, he's not going to make excuses. He's not going to just say it's any other game. He even had this great quote in Pittsburgh about how if you just keep saying, well, it's one of those games, you know, it just had one of those games, that that leads to almost, you know, you rob yourself of the chance to learn from it and, and to kind of be better from it uh, because of it, I should say. I do think that they've got the pieces. Like, they are – it's going to turn. I mean, they've got Max Freed. They've got Strider. They're going to get Kyle right in September. The reason I would be wary, as I've said before, is – um, and I love Kyle to death and I love covering him and I, I you know, you want to see everybody succeed. I just, it's tough to rely on somebody when you don't know what they're going to bring or if they're going to be effective when they're back. Like that's the one thing is everybody keeps mentioning Kyle Wright, Kyle Wright, Kyle Wright. Obviously the Braves felt good about his ability and the chances of him being effective upon his return because they didn't trade for another starter. And Alex Anthopoulos went to his training staff and asked it, you know, above those injured guys like Wright, are they going to be ready? Are they going to return? Are they going to be effective when they return? That should make people feel good. And I do think they've got, so they've got Freed, Strider. Look, I think Charlie Morton is better than he, he's shown at, in some starts this year. Like, I'm still going to take Charlie Morton in the postseason. Like, I still believe in Charlie Morton and what he gives you in the postseason. Um, Max Freed and Spencer Strider, you're going to believe in them. Those are your aces. You got to ride those guys. They're your horses. Um, and look, like Bryce Elder's had a really, really good year to this point. Hasn't been great lately? No. But I mean, every starter goes through it. They just can't have the sort of sustained inconsistency, uh, for lack of a better term, that they had over the one week in, the, in this road trip because that can't happen. I do think they're better than they've pitched, though, because. They were second only to Pittsburgh, and they don't have a rotation that should be comparable to Pittsburgh's in, in any form or facet. I think now that you get freed back, guys move down to seat a little bit. We'll see what happens with any potential roster moves with Yanni Chirinos, Michael Soroka, Alan Winans going forward. However that fills out, I think they've got a good rotation. Up next will be three with the Yankees, Freed, Elder, and Morton starting on uh, Monday night. Going to be a little better barometer here than uh, the lineup we saw in New York. Yeah, for sure. But here's the thing with these New Yorkers, man. On both ends of the rivalry, they're not too pleased because not only have the Mets sold and are a shell of themselves for this year, but Jay, the Yankees are 16 and 58. So, yes, two above 500, but 13 back in the AL East. They are in last place in the AL East, and they are five back in the wild card. They need these wins. But what did not help their cause is they lost eight to seven. Um, on a walk-off to the Marlins in which they gave up five runs in the ninth inning and one run in the eighth inning. Mm. They blew that one. They're going to be looking to you know win at Truist Park. It will be a better lineup and a better team than the Braves saw in the Mets. But I think the Yankees are, are, are really, really beatable. Like These are not the Yankees of old. All right, now time for the Ask Justin segment where we answer Braves fans' questions on Twitter at Justin C. Toscano. And we'll also do it on the uh, AJC Braves Report podcast hotline, where you can call 404-526-AJCP anytime. Operators are standing by 24-7. That's 404-526-2527. And our first caller came in last Tuesday. Hey, guys. This is Brian out of Atlanta. Today, my question is about Travis Darnell. Now, I know Azuna is our DH, and I know he's kind of a streaky player, but 
I just don't see why you would play Azuna for DH as opposed to Darno. I just feel like nine times out of ten, even when Azuna's hot, Darno is the better bat. Now, do you think that's to prevent fatigue for Darno in case he needs the catch for Murphy? Yeah, no, I I totally think so. I mean, I that's what I would say. Um, yeah, because I the way I see it is you got two all-star catchers because it's a two-man position and you want to keep both of them fresh. DHing, you can still be fresh, but I do think the Braves like what Marcelo Zuna brings in terms of being able to change the game with one swing. But yeah, like I, I think that in terms of consistency, Travis Darno has been the better bat over the last couple of years. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, you don't want to negate all of that rest or, or freshness just because you're throwing a guy out to DH when you do have Ozuna. Now, if Ozuna just, you know, is hitting poorly and is going through a really rough stretch, like, you know, he, he had been, yeah, maybe you see more Darno down the stretch because Brian Snicker has shown that he is really, really willing to just go with the hot hand. But I just really think that that Travis Darno right now is probably better served getting that rest and they're better served keeping him fresh for the postseason. So I think if any, if Snit does anything, I think it'll be kind of down the stretch end of August, you know, into September is where that would kind of shift. All right. Next up from Matt. Why was Chirinos thought of as a better option than Soroka? His numbers with the Rays weren't anything great and he hasn't been any better than what Soroka was giving us. Help me understand the madness. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to depth. Like, I think, um, and as much as fans would like to hear that, Chirinos had a better ERA in the AL East than Soroka did in the NL East, and I think the Braves wanted to just give Chirinos a shot. Uh, And if it didn't pan out, it didn't pan out. You can argue that it hasn't panned out, but he's given them five innings a couple times. I just think that, look, this is about, you know, the depth in, in some regard and taking a chance on a guy. Um, while Soroka pitches and, and kind of gets better in AAA and fine tunes things, which it, I mean, he's had some good starts since he's, you know, he's been down there both, you know, both times after they've sent him down. So, you know, maybe he's almost ready again. I just think that, well, Chirinos is a guy that you can't send down because he has over five years of service time. He reached it this year, I believe. So you're going to lose the depth of that piece. So that's why I think it's, you know, they've given him a little bit of run, especially being up so, you know, with a large lead in the division, just wanting to keep that depth while guys, you know, are pitching in AAA. And and I think that, you know, wanting to keep the inning, you know, the innings off of other arms probably. Next up from Joe O. Any news on Chavez and Anderson when they may return? Yeah, I mean, the last I had checked, uh, it seemed like Anderson was pretty on target for an early September return, like around his eligibility date, if, if things were still going well. Like I know a doctor's appointment a couple weeks ago went well and, you know, said that the inflammation had basically, you know, gone down. Chavez, he seems like he, I mean, every time we ask Snit, it seems like he's just still a while away. So that one, I'm not super confident on knowing, but I, I would think that if Anderson pitches well, you know, upon a rehab assignment. Um, and if all goes well and he continues to progress and there are no setbacks, that I would think he'd be back in like early September around when he's eligible. Next up from Tucker Seal. I know you mentioned Lee staying in AAA, possibly the full 30-day assignment, but couldn't he be built up at the MLB level with a pretty taxed pin? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but that that's different because you can't, you can't really, like the Braves have stretched guys out in season or if it's like a one-inning guy, like an AJ Minter, yeah, they could, they could theoretically just like put him, you know, one rehab outing or two rehab outings, whatever, and bring him back. 
But if you're trying to build a guy up for multiple innings, it's difficult to do here because like it's not a controlled environment. Like the minors can just be a controlled environment where okay, this guy's gonna pitch an inning. He's gonna pitch two innings, or he's gonna pitch, you know, max him out at 25 pitches or you know, 30 pitches. You can control those sorts of things without jeopardizing the integrity of the game and trying to win. I think that, you know, if it were a one inning guy, like sure, you know, you could just be brought back sooner um, and, and just pitch here. But because they're trying to build them up for multiple, you know, innings, back to backs, things like that, it's just tougher to do here because it's not a controlled environment like it would be in the minors. And I think that, look, this honestly gives them some more time uh, to see if there's an obvious roster move to make for Dylan Lee because it's it's kind of log jammed, on, you know, not only on the active roster because they don't have optionable relievers. Um, because Ben Heller already went down, but on the 40-man roster. All right, last one from Zach. Do the players and coaches care about the race for the number one seed at this point of the season? With the division all but over, I wonder when they turn their attention to the race with the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's about getting to the postseason. Like, I think, I mean, look, like, they're human. I wouldn't believe them if they told us that they were not focused on that. Who wouldn't want home field advantage in the postseason? Like, it's, it's so much easier. I mean, baseball is random. But it, I would assume it is so much better to play at home than to go on the road in these hostile environments um, and leave everything to chance. So, yeah, like I, I would say they're definitely focused on just winning division because I think they know that if they keep doing what they are uh, in terms of playing, you know, winning baseball, maybe not what they are since the All-Star break, but what they were in June and May, if they were on that pace, they're, the number one seed will take care of itself because I, I just think... You can't really get too broad with it, but I do think that, yeah, like they're, they're certainly like thinking about that. You know, they want home field advantage. But the other thing is, I don't know that it's too forefront in their minds right now because it's August 14th. So I would say that, yeah, come September around when they clinch, sure. But right now, I think you still want to win the division because I think they're still laser focused on that. This is a longer, this is probably a longer discussion than what we'll give it because it's four o'clock in the morning. But it would be nice if with the new wildcard series that baseball would reseed because if you are the top seed, your reward is you get to either face the number one wildcard team or the number two wildcard team. And if you're the second seed, you get to face the worst division winner, which will come out of the central or the worst wildcard, which right now is the Marlins. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a funny quirk. I feel like they would think about it for those reasons alone. Like, not that Major League Baseball teams structure it to be like, okay, like let's see who we can, you know, if we can lose to play so-and-so because that's just a bad look. You don't want to do that. But, and nobody thinks like that. You're, you're in this to win it. You got to beat the best to be the best. But who would not want to play the Marlins over the other scenario? Like, I just think like, yeah, the Central or the, you know, or the Marlins, I mean, that's clearly the easier path. And I... You would think they would have to think about reseeding at some point. Like, I get just keeping it simple, but what is your reward for being the one seed uh, if, you know, if kind of that? All right, time to wrap it up here. Winners of the week. All right, you want to go first or me? Uh, you go first. You always go first. All right. Um, so my winners of the week, I have six. <laughs> Stand by. My first two are Freddie Freeman and Dansby Swanson. Okay. They are winners of the week because they implanted a culture on the other four, Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzie Albies, 
uh, Austin Riley and Matt Olson. So Jay, um, on Tuesday, I wrote something about how Austin Riley, Ronald Acuna Jr., Matt Olson, and Ozzy Albies surpassed the Reds bunch, you know, four Reds by starting for the 11th, 111th time in 111 games this season. So now those four guys have started 117 out of 117. So the record, um, as far as the, the Braves, shout out uh, Jarrett Burleson of Braves PR for reaching out to Elias Sports for me on this. Um, so since 1900, the longest streak for consecutive games played by four players on a team is held by the 1904 Boston Americans, who had four players appear in each of the club's first 156 games. So the Braves are they're creeping toward it. They're at 117. It's just a matter of one. Do they stay healthy? I've got multiple winners of the week, too. I've got four. All right, I've actually got five. The five Braves who have not allowed a run in the last two weeks. Alan Winans, Rysel Iglesias, Kirby Yates, Pierce Johnson, and Nicky Lopez. <laughs> I like that last one. You couldn't you couldn't forget Nicky Lopez. No, I mean, no. You know, that's why you, you probably thought you had four and then had to switch it to five. Move over, Shohei. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Nicky Lopez actually became one of four players, including Shohei, to throw a scoreless inning and hit a home run in the same game this season. Also, it seems like, you know, yesterday that that Pierce Johnson weird inning in Boston happened and he gave up that unearned run. But he's he had, had no weird innings since. Yeah, yeah, no, none. Um, and what, 11 strikeouts, 12 strikeouts, yeah. something like that? He's been I awesome. mean, he's been awesome. What about uh, for the for the people who hate the Braves, Saturday was not a banner day as the Braves went from, originally they went from Dansby Swanson to Orlando Arcia, who was a starting shortstop in the All-Star game. And then they acquired Nicky Lopez. He doesn't play for like two weeks, doesn't start for like two weeks really since being traded, uh, hadn't started. He comes in and goes four for six with five RBIs and a three-run home run, granted his off-position player but had started his game with consecutive run-scoring hits. Uh, for the crowd that hates the, oh, my God, the Braves, you know, for the crowd that is always like, oh, my God, the Braves do everything well, they sold their soul, the devil, all this, that, and the other thing, it wasn't a banner day Saturday. No, no, it was not. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's we will leave it right here. So we'll be back with you uh, next Monday, and uh, Justin's going to go take a break. Oh, man. Three cities, 11 games, 10 days, one doubleheader, no off days. Uh <laughs> The last time I was home was August 3rd. So I hope with all the storms and the heat and everything that my AC still works. I hope everything, <laughs> the light, everything still turns on well. I hope it is not, there is no damage of any sort there. Um, so yeah, but that that's exciting. But we'll see you next week. Yep, and we do it every Monday or when major news breaks. So tell your friends, tell your enemies, rate, review, follow, share, subscribe. Please spread the word and we will see you next week on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. 
We lead with heart. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.